Today's scripture reading uh, comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 26 to 27. Uh, You'll see it on my left here, uh, come up. And I encourage you guys to flip to your Bibles. It's probably the first two pages of your Bible. And read along uh, as I I read uh, aloud. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This is God's word. As many of you know, uh, we are beginning a brand new sermon series uh, called The Biblical Basis uh, for Diversity and Inclusion. And to kick off the series, we have our very own uh, Minister Cola uh, here uh, to share the word of of God with us. Uh, You may know um, Cola as that soothing uh, voice and guitar that's in the beginning of our worship set uh, before before we start the uh, worship. but he's been with us over uh, about over a year now, uh, serving in Karis and on worship team and in other capacities. Um, he's married to one wife uh, and has two beautiful daughters uh, who are living in Taiwan uh, right now. And, uh, and he'll be joining us for the next year. Uh, he just finished um, uh, classes at, at Gordon-Conwell. He'll be joining us the next year as an interim minister uh, focused on discipleship, uh, spiritual formations, and fellowship, uh, and especially working with Karis. And so we're very excited to have Minister Kola here uh, to share uh, the Word of God with us. So Kola, over to you. Good morning, Crossbridge. Today is the start of our new sermon series about the biblical basis for diversity and inclusion. We're going to be spending the next four weeks going through the biblical narrative, the biblical story of creation, of the fall, of redemption, and consummation to help us get a good basis and foundation for why as a a church and as Christians, we believe that diversity and inclusion are key and essential aspects of being a Christian. But first, I need to introduce myself. (laughs) My name is Kola Aina. I am the new interim minister here at Crossbridge. I've been, this is my second week on the job and they already have me preaching. (laughs) Uh, You might've seen me around in the past year uh, leading worship or uh, helping out with Karis. And so now I'm working here in an official capacity. And I'm really excited to be serving you. I want to get to know every single one of you, get to know your faces, your names, get to know your families, and to hear that I'm here. <laughs> so without further ado, we're going to get into the series. But uh, we, we also need to recognize, too, that when it comes to race, when it comes to diversity, these topics are, are hard and we're not going to be able to be comprehensive in these four weeks because it's only four weeks. But we want to be able to provide you with a basis, a foundation for why we as Christians believe these things as a jumping off point, as a platform for further discussion, whether it be in church or whether it be outside. And I know for me too, I am, my mom is from Taiwan. My dad is from Nigeria. I grew up in Connecticut I, and I served in cross-cultural missions in Taiwan for all, almost seven years. But, I, but still talking about race 
talking about diversity, inclusion, it's all still something that's relatively new for me. And so this is a process where we'll be learning together and we'll be growing together. And hopefully through this, we'll be showing the world who God is together. All right, so without further ado, let's jump in. Today we're going to be talking about creation. And in particular, we're going to talk about this idea of the Imago Dei. That man was made in the image of God. So we start in Genesis 1. All right. So in Genesis 1, we, we have this, this really, this, this structure, this sentence, this grammatical structure that goes through all throughout Genesis 1. It says, God said something happened and he said it was good. So in verse 3, it says, God said, let there be light. And there was light. It happened and God said it was good. And then in verse 6, day 2, God said, let the waters and the land separate. And it separated and it was good. And it continues in that, in that formula for all six days. God said it happened and it was good. Right? Until we reach this point when it comes to humanity. And then it, sh- it changes. It shifts. Something happens. And so we're going we're gonna to reread that again. Verses 26 and verse 27. Then here it says, then God said, let us make man in our, in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock, over all the, all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 27. So God created man in his own image In the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. Okay, so what we what we have is th- th- we have the structure. God said it happened, and then He said it was good, and it keeps happening until we reach this point in verse twenty-seven of poetry, Hebrew poetry. If, if you're reading the Old Testament and you ever see that the text is indented a little bit, that means that you're looking at poetry. So we have the structure over here, and it's interrupted by poetry. What's happening? What's going on? Well, in, in Doctor Arthur's preaching class. He talks a lot about how do you draw and how do you keep an audience's attention? How do you focus in on certain points? And two of the things that he says are repetition and slowing down. He says, when you repeat something and you restate it and you underline it and you say it again and again and again, that causes the reader to pay attention and makes them slow down and makes them examine what's happening here. It freezes time for a second. And I think that's what's happening here. When it comes to Hebrew poetry, the the scheme of Hebrew poetry is about how the thoughts connect to one another. In English, uh, we, we have rhyme and we have meter. In Japanese haiku, it's about, um, you know, how many syllables you have. But in Hebrew poetry, it's about how the ideas connect, whether they repeat, whether they add, or whether they contrast a previous idea. And when we have verse 27, it's going to draw our attention to one thing. It's going to repeat again and again. It's going to add. It says this, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. That's a repeat. Male and female, he created them. That's building off that pra- that previous idea. And so what it's making us do is it's making us stop. As a reader, as a listener, it's making you say, hold on. 
hold on, what's happening here? I need, to, I need to refocus, I need to look again to see what's happening when it says, God created man in his own image. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today. We're gonna to be looking how the Imago Dei, the image of God, the importance of that when it comes to diversity and when it comes to inclusion. And we're gonna we're gonna focus in and I'm only gonna have two points where we're talking about the image of God. You could you could spend hours and hours, but we're gonna we're gonna focus in on two points today. And the first is this when it comes to the image of God, the image of God in all of us tells us that we are valuable, that every person is valuable. Alright? Let's let, 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 let's let's look. Let's look a little bit more closely at the text right here. So when, when, we, when, we look at, when we look at the rest of creation, what does it say about the animals, the birds, the fishes of the sea? What does it say about them? We'll see that in verse 21 right here. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves and with, with which the water swarms according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kind. Livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kind. And it was so. 25. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kind. And the livestock according to their kind. And everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. As we read those verses, did you recognize what was repeated there according to its kind, right? And notice it's the birds of the air according to its kind in the sky, the fish in the sea, the livestock of the land. Now, when it comes to humanity, we see something a little bit different. And you know what this is. Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. What differentiates man from the animals, from everything else, from the rest of creation, is that he is made in the image of God. It's not made according to its kinds on the land or on the sea or in the sky. Our kind is of God. We are made in the image of God. That separates us from the rest of creation. And I would argue that that's what gives us intrinsic value as human beings. That we, you and I, are made in the image of God. That's what gives us value. That's what gives all of humanity value. Uh, now cons consider this, consider the, the humble US dollar. See this. Uh, the, the dollar, th this, this material is made up of 75% cotton and 25% linen, uh, which is why when you throw it in the washing machine, it's, it's not going to you know, crumple like paper or get messed up because it's actually fabric. Now, what, what makes this valuable, right? Uh, you know, when, when, if, I, if I bring this dollar, well, if I, maybe more dollars than this, but if I brought this dollar to Starbucks, um, you know, they would give me iced coffee. But if, if, I, if I took a, 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 a cutout of my shirt, of my dress shirt, or maybe my mask, right? And, and, I, and I gave it to the person at Starbucks and asked for iced coffee, 
asked for a nice cold brew, I think that they would just look at me funny. So what about this material? What about this dollar bill makes it valuable? Well, I mean, if you, if you look closely at it, you look more closely, well, we have the symbol of our, our founding fathers and, you know, the stamp of the Federal Reserve. And we have a lot of iconography on here and a lot of symbolism, don't we? Right, we have the eagle on this dollar holding the, the olive branch, holding the arrows too, right? Well, so I would say that what makes this dollar valuable is what is imprinted on it, right? Not the material itself, that's just cotton and linen. No, but it, it is what is imprinted on it. And I'd say the same thing for humanity. What makes us valuable is what is imprinted on us. What we were made in the image of, which is God. We are made in the image of God. If we consider what we're made out of humanity, a person, well, we're, we're over 99% of four elements, which is hydrogen, oxygen, carbon, and nitrogen. But the thing is that elephants, whales, ants are mostly made out of hydrogen, oxygen, carbon, and nitrogen. What differentiates us? The scriptures would tell us that it is being made in the image of God. It's that imprint on us. That's why we believe every person is of equal value and every person is valuable, right? Now, I think that's an idea that, that can often be taken for granted. Uh, in preparation for the sermon series, I started doing a lot of research and reading uh, lots of different books, lots of podcasts. I've been listening to sermons. I've been listening to different talks and, 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 and a lot of people will take this idea, hey, everyone has value. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal. And they'll take that truth and they might take it for granted. But the question is, what's almost never looked at and what's almost never answered is, why? Why are people valuable? What makes a person valuable and have value? What gives them value? We believe that all people are valuable. I think everyone can agree on that, but why? Why is a person valuable? If you are looking at this from a totally naturalistic, scientific perspective, we, we might not be able to find an answer. Because fundamentally, we are made of the same elements as elephants, right? But then also, if we look at it experientially, well, we, we recognize that in the world that not everyone is treated equally. But why do we believe that everyone is equal? Well, as a Christian... It's actually pretty simple. It's because the image of God is implanted. The image of God, you're created in this image of God. It is fundamental to who you are. And what that means is that there's no way outside of you to acquire that value. Because culturally, uh, this is primarily an Asian American church, but I think culturally, even in American society, a lot of value comes from how fit am I? Or how much money do I make? What school did I go to? What kind of car do I drive? How big is my house? How successful am I? How early can I retire? We derive value from outside of us. But the scriptures say your value is intrinsic to you. 
And I know that that's hard. That's hard to believe. And that's hard to believe day to day too. Like even, even for me right now, as I'm preaching this sermon into my camera, I, I, I think about, oh, this is my first impression that a lot of you are going to get of me. And I want to do a good job. And I think my value as a person and as a, as a minister in this church is derived from how good of a performance can I give? How good of a sermon can I give? Can I change life? And the, the truth is, my value is not derived from that, but my value is intrinsically in me because I and you and everyone around you is created in the image of God. That's why we believe in equality, that all people are of the same value. That's why we believe these things. But it's not only do we believe that all people are valuable, but the Imago Dei, the image of God, provides the basis for why we also believe in diversity and, and inclusion, which is our second point. The Im- so the first one, the first point that we have is the image of God gives us a basis for why we believe that all people are valuable which leads us into why we believe in diversity and inclusion. Now, this word image is, is, is rife with interesting and fascinating historical context. For the original reader, as they, if, if they, as they were hearing or reading Genesis 1, and they heard mankind is made in the image of God, this word image, there would have been a picture in their mind of ancient Near Eastern kings. And in their kingdoms and in their land, in their territory, they would put up statues of themselves. In all of their land, just gigantic statues of themselves. And these statues were there to remind the people of the land that this land belonged to the king. This land is the king's. This, the statue would, would, be, would almost be a symbol of the king's presence there. It would remind the people of the king. And when, when they would read, the original readers would read that humanity, man, was created in the image of God. They would realize that when we see each other and ourselves, we should be reminded, it should be pointing us it should be our view should be elevated and lifted up towards God. And now God in his wisdom didn't make humanity homogenous, but he made the diversity and the differences in humanity. Right? We have people who are black and African and Asian American and Japanese and Korean and European and German and Italian. He made, he made us all so different because it's all of us together in the differences of our cultures and the differences of our race and the differences of our personalities, whether you're an INFP or EFP. ENTJ, or whether whatever your Enneagram is, whatever your disc or your strength finders is, all of us together in our differences in race image God because we are all image bearers of God. 
When we see each other as a common humanity, it's supposed to point us towards God. And that's why we believe that the marginalization of any group or any, any ethnicity or the elevation of any ethnicity or any group or, or, or the isolationism is wrong. That's why, that's why we stand against racism, because when we marginalize other people or we elevate other people, we're not seeing the true beauty of who God is and how he wanted to reveal himself through all of creation. All of creation, all of humanity together in our differences together included are supposed to image and supposed to show who God is, how good he is, his kindness, his glory, his authority, his compassion, his grace, his justice. When we marginalize or when we only, when we isolate ourselves, that's like trying to paint a rain, trying to paint the sunset with only blues. We're, we're going to miss something. Or it's like it's trying to paint a forest with only browns. You're, you're missing something. It's, it's the diversity. It's the spectrum of all people together is what allows us to see the beauty of who God is. So that's why we stand against racism. That's why we stand against any belief or idea that devalues or overvalues or isolates ourselves from everyone else or anyone else because not only are we valuable, but we also, as humanity, we image God. We are image bearers of God. The Imago Dei becomes our basis. The image of God in humanity, in us, in me, and in you becomes our basis for why we believe in equality why we believe in diversity and why we believe in diversity, there needs to also be inclusion as well. That's what the Imago Dei does. And that becomes our basis and our foundation for when we discuss diversity and inclusion, particularly when it comes to race and the differences among us. The Imago Dei serves as our foundation because you and I and everyone that we see is created in the image of God. And as image bearers, when people see us as a collective humanity, they're supposed to turn their eyes and see the beauty of God. We learn from one another, don't we? There's been, a, there's, uh, as a seminary student, as a, as a theology major, actually, in seminary, there's, there's a movement in theology where we recognize that, you know, through, through most, of, uh, most of church history, that the West, Europe, and later on North America has provided the foundation for theological thought and, and has been the traditional cornerstone of Christendom and of Christian thought. But now that Christianity, the center of Christianity has actually become the centers of Christianity, which are Latin America, Africa, and Asia. And as more and more Christians 
in those areas are becoming scholars, we realize that their scholarship, their understanding of who God is, is actually building and is actually building and 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 revealing blind spots where we in the West didn't see. We're learning because we have because Christianity is becoming more diverse, and because we're including our brothers and sisters from Latin America, Africa, and Asia into the conversation. But this doesn't only happen in academia as well, right? We we I, I know this experientially too. My my wife um, was dealing with with our youngest our youngest Nia as a two year old. She she's a super picky eater. Um, she the only two things that she likes to eat are rice and meat, which honestly kind of sounds all, a little bit like me. <laughs> but and so as she was. Um, as she was trying to figure out a solution for how to deal with Nia's pickiness, she discovered a book. It's called French Kids Eat Everything. And the book is about a, a, an American family moving to France and this mom discovering that uh, generally French kids actually had a, a, a joy in, dis, in discovering new foods to eat and trying different things. And as she applied those principles that she saw French families apply to their kids, to her kids, that her kids became less picky and actually started to enjoy the discovery of trying new and different foods. We learn from one another and we need each other. With something as small as food and something as big as seeing the glory of God and seeing the image of God and how he has revealed himself through humanity. So what can we do? What can we, what can we do? How can we live this out? You know, I, I was talking with, I was ta- I've been talking with a lot of people um, to, to try to just get different perspectives and to understand you know, how do we, as a church, as Christians, as believers, what do we do when it comes to diversity and inclusion? It, it seems like you know, the, the issues that our country is facing, the issues that the world is facing are so big. And, and one of, one of the, the members of our church, she said, it's the little things that we can do. It's the step-by-step process every day that we can do. And so I'm going to give you just little step-by-step things that you can do just every day. The first thing is turning internally and asking ourselves, well, first of all, do I find value in myself, in my own ethnicity? Do I realize that there's value in me simply because of who I am and not because of what I do and what I try to acquire? That the value of myself is intrinsic to me? Do I need to change my mind? Do I need to remind myself every day when I'm ready to give a presentation, when I'm ready to apply for colleges, when I get my report card, when I think about my kids and their future achievement, do I need to remind myself my value doesn't come from them, but comes from the fact that I am made in the image of God. But then we can also turn externally to, do we value the fact that the image of God is in other people as well? Are our lives diverse and inclusive? Or do you actually see yourself kind of 
homogenous and hanging out with the people that are just like you and similar to you? Or are you seeking people that are different than you? Seeking out people with different opinions than you, people who look differently than you, people in different socioeconomic statuses than you. If you're in school, people that are in a different friend group than yours. Because we value, and it's important, it's important and we value the diversity and inclusion because we recognize that in every one of us is the image of God. Here's another practical one too. Um, a lot of us are children of immigrants. Have you asked your parents what it was like for them when they first came to the States? I, I recently did that with my own parents and I, I was shocked to, to discover the, the culture shock that they had and the struggles that they had to go through and it gave me a totally new perspective. Are we incorporating and understanding these values into our lives. It's not just good practice. It's not just a good thing to do because culture and society is doing it. No, we value these things because we believe that this is fundamental to us. The image of God is truly fundamental to who we are as people and who the people around us are. Do you believe that today? That the image of God makes you valuable and the people around you valuable. Do you value them? I hope that you do and that you will live this out because we serve a God who is good and great and holy and righteous and he needs to be seen in the world and he's seen through our diversity. Amen.